Hey everybody, Chris Harry with you on a new Chargers Weekly. A bit later, an early start to your fantasy football prep. NFL Network's James Coe tells you when to select your favorite Chargers in fantasy drafts. But first, my one-on-one interview with safety Jaleel Adai. We talk fatherhood, year two in Gus Bradley's defense, and high expectations for the secondary. All right, here with Jaleel Adai on Chargers Weekly. Jaleel, thanks for joining me, man. How you doing? I'm good. How you doing? Doing well, man. First off, congrats. A couple of months ago, welcome a baby boy. Yes, sir. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, man. How, how has fatherhood been? Fatherhood's awesome. Right now, he's just growing. Uh, about Zion, quick cool Adai, my firstborn son. He'll be two months in about a week. Um, it's the biggest blessing to my life so far, so it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. You know, I've talked to so many of my friends who have had kids, and they're like, it's an indescribable feeling mm-hmm. once you have a kid. If you can, describe what the two, last two months have been for you. It, it is indescribable. I mean, but it's, it's the best thing that, that happened to me. It tightens you down in so many ways. It motivates you. It focuses you. You know, life isn't about you anymore. It's about your little one. Um, so me and my fiance, Lindsay, um, it's, and think about it. Honestly, it brings your relationship closer too. You know, yeah. you got to work as a team. It's not about you two anymore. Um, it's one common goal, and it's for the it's for the good of, the, of your child. It probably homes your focus too, just mm-hmm. as an athlete, and realizing that you're doing this for more than just yourself. Exactly. Before I had a child, you know, it was it was me, my my, my girlfriend, my, now my fiance, and you know, the support of my family. But now it's I got to take care of a life. I got to take care of a human, um, and it's and he's part of me. He is me. Yeah. You know, so it's my little guy. So it, it focuses you in, man. It locks you in. Um, like I said, it motivates you to be the best you can out here at your job. Yeah, speaking of uh, best you can, you had your best season last year. You're coming off, you're entering your sixth season, rather. 96 tackles last year. You led the team. You played in all 16 games. How do you attribute that success, uh, elevating your play from the first four years to, to last year? First, I just got to give thanks to God, you know, keep me healthy for 16 games where I play. No doubt. You know, um, I play aggressive. I play physical. Um, but I just think taking care of my body, me being able to be on the field, allowed me to finally showcase my talent. You know, I was always capable. I've shown flashes in the past, but I was nicked. You know, I was yeah. nicked here and there, hiccup here, hiccup there. So I was able to showcase my talents more, you know, um, just growing with the game. The game slowed down a ton, a ton, being more of a student, you know, letting the game come to me and not trying to force things. Coach Bradley, you're two in his defense, too. Uh, when did it click for you in Coach Bradley's defense, and, and how much more comfortable are you in 2018 than 2017? Uh, believe it or not, um, it kind of clicked for me, I'd say, in training camp. You know, last year at this time, just yeah. trying to get to know it and, yeah. and see how things go and the communication and the scheme. Um, but it's, it's, it's not a difficult defense. We, we don't do much, but we execute at a high level. Um, and right now, I just see even the young guys are picking it up well. I see the ones and twos were gelling, we're communicating, we're putting a little personality to the defense with um, the disguising. And I feel good right now. I yeah. feel good. Um, not there yet. You know, there's always room for growth. Um, so that's what we're here for. Describe how that defense caters to your strengths as a player. Um, we're playing in the box. You know, yeah. I get to play in the box. I get to be around action. I love tackling. I love hitting. I play fast. I'm physical. Um, but, you know, I could play free, too. You know, I've been getting a little bit of reps at free. I've done that my first four years. Um, I'm enforcer in that middle of the field, you know, post, digs. Um, I bring the pain, and I can also go get the rock. Yeah. On the podcast last week, I had someone on from Pro Football Focus, and we are just talking about the depth in mm-hmm. the secondary, the ability to go four deep at cornerback around mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. with Jason Verrett coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, your versatility as well as Darwin's versatility. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we're only in OTAs, but as you survey the secondary, uh, what is it capable of when you when you talk about the depth, the versatility, and just the ability to, to give multiple looks to an offense? Um, it's it's 
undescribable, actually, you know, because it's rare. You don't see that in the NFL. You don't. You can go to our threes. You can go to our threes, and any of those guys can start an NFL roster. Um, but it's awesome because it gives Coach Bradley a lot of weapons. It gives him a lot of versatility, and it allows us to to play to our strengths. You know, he's out using even one strengths. And everybody, you can go, we got four corners. Obviously, there's not enough spots on the field, you know, which is a tough thing. But uh, Coach Gus has shown in the past that he can get it done, make certain packages, and get us all in the field. But I'm not going to speak too soon, but we could be the best secondary in the league. Yeah. Well, certainly the deepest. You know, we, we talk about Jacksonville. There's not many teams that can go four deep a cornerback and then have safeties like you and Derwin. And speaking of Derwin, how is he progressing in, in the first two months? Do you like what you see? I love what I see. Yeah. You know, first of all, he's a Florida boy, so that's that's, that's important. That's, that's that a checks plus. a box. Yeah, that does. <laughs> <laughs> but no, man, he's big, he's fast, he's physical, and he's smart. You know, he knows both the free and the strong. He's made a lot of flashes and made a lot of plays since we've been out here in OTAs, and he's just willing to learn. That's the biggest thing, you know, as a rookie coming in, as a first-round draft pick, there's a lot of expectation. Or Sometimes guys could, you know, maybe think they know too much, but he's not like that. He's willing to learn. He's coachable, um, and he makes corrections on his mistakes when he does make them, but the sky's the limit for him. He's a dog. What's the biggest piece of advice you've given him in his short time here? Uh, just play ball. It's, it's, it's ball at the end of the day. You know, um, don't let the lights, don't let the NFL logo, or don't let, you know, being drafted high with expectations, you know, they'll slow your feet down. Be who you are. Um, you've been picked at that, that, that high for a reason. You've shown that you could do it. Um, and if there's any questions or anything you need to ask me, ask me. You know, because when I came in the league, I was, I was fortunate to have a guy like Eric Weddle, uh, Marcus Gilchrist, you know, to show me the ropes and, I was able to lean on them, so I'm, it's only right that I do back. It's crazy that you're like an elder statesman at 28, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> it's pretty wild. <laughs> it's crazy because right, I'm still in my prime, you know. So, yeah. But to some, I'm looked at as a vet, you know, and I guess that's that's a good thing. It's a blessing, that is you a know, good being thing. in this league, going into my sixth year. Um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm still in my prime. But at the same time, I know I played a lot of ball around here, so I can I can give my experience to those who are younger than me. Do you feel? Uh, added responsibility as a leader and one of the elder statesmen in the secondary, or is it just kind of everybody's a one unit? I think everyone's one unit, but I know that, you know, I have some respect around here for what I've done. And at the same time, I don't feel any pressure. I just always feel like I've been a leader, but I lead more of how I play, you know, how I go about my business, how I have a love and passion for the game. Um, vocals here and there, more vocal of trash talking to the other team. But Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, I'm a little <laughs> trash talker. But, I mean, not really, man. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. I'm probably the most – Happiest I've been in my career right now, you know, just playing ball and feeling comfortable and just loving this team. You know, we talk so much about the secondary, the pass rush. Can you describe what it's like having bookend pass rushers like that and how it helps the secondary? Because I don't think people understand how it goes hand in hand. Rush and cover works together. Coach always talks about that. Uh, But, you know, we have two edge rushers in the top 100. Um, You don't see that. I don't think that was even... I think we're the only team that done that this year. Um, two elite pass rushers, and you know with them, you, you don't have to cover them. The ball is going to come out now, and it creates opportunities for turnovers, you know, tips and overthrows, you know. So, I mean, having an elite pass rush like that, man, it's it's a dime and a dozen. you got to appreciate it. What do you think of uh, of this draft? We talk about Darwin at the top, but the mm-hmm. first four picks were on defense. Uchenna, uh, Kaiser White, who plays safety in college, is going to mm-hmm. probably play linebacker mm-hmm. here. And then Justin Jones, another piece on that defensive line. Um, how would you assess what we did in the draft here? Um, we did a phenomenal job, honestly. You know, it's a little early. you gotta, you got to see how those guys pan out in pads. But from what we've seen, every single last one of them have made flashes. Every single one of them looked like they'll be ready to ball on Sunday. 
Um, That's and important. It's, and it's important, you know, because we're only good as our, our weakest link. We're only good as the, the next man up. And those guys are going to contribute to us, whether it's on defense, whether it's on special teams. But you just tip your hat to the front office, uh, you know, on what they did and how they addressed the draft this year. You know, the thing with the Jaleel, too, I mean, Derwin was special as a true freshman of Florida State. Mm -hmm. But the other three guys, I was in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. They're all at the Senior Bowl. They were all leaders on their team. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of experience mm -hmm. uh, playing big roles for their college football programs. I just think that's that's a huge check mark mm -hmm. for this defense, bringing in young guys who actually have that experience playing in big games. Yeah, no, for sure. And you can see it. They have confidence. You know, sometimes rookies come in and they're, and they're trying to dip their toes in the water. No, these guys are head first. You know, they play with swag. They play with confidence, you know, and they're picking up on the scheme. And you can see that they've been able to play at a high level since a young age. Yeah. And it's not just a coincidence that they're out here doing what they're doing. You know, there's so many markers in the offseason. We talk about free agency, the draft, the combine. Then there's the schedule release. When the schedule was released, the regular season schedule, what was your first reaction when you saw it? It's going to be fun. Yeah. It's going to be fun. You yeah. know, we start off with Kansas City uh, Division, you know, rival week one. You know, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be electrifying. It's going to be super male. Oh, blues. Super male. Blues singer. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to um, it's gonna be fun, man. We got a lot, a lot of big-time games. Um, we get to put our best um, up up against their best, man, and it's going to be an exciting season. Um, but as can't jump too early. We still got to finish off OTAs. We got mini camp, and then we got training camp. But looking at that schedule, it's going to be a fun year. Absolutely. And like you said, we can't, we can't look ahead. But week 13, man, you go to Pittsburgh, mm -hmm. and you got a guy there, one of your guys, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's AB? Yeah, that's my boy. Yeah. People know about him, right? Yeah, they do. Describe <laughs> your relationship with Antonio Brown. Uh, that's my boy. I, I was coming in. Originally, I was committed to West Virginia. Um, I decommitted last, last minute, where Butch Jones was the receiver coach at West Virginia. Okay. Got the head coaching job at Central. I took a visit there, and he paired me up with this guy named Antonio Brown. I didn't know much <laughs> about him. Yeah. But on my visit, I learned that he was a freshman All-American, punt return, wide receiver, and he was from Florida. It was a coincidence. He's from, he's from Miami. I'm from Tampa. And we just clicked since then. I played three years with him, hung out with him, trained with him. He introduced me to Bible study on campus. Um, a real, a real like big brother to me when I was at Central Michigan. It's excellent. And just to see his success, you know, at this level, it, it really doesn't blow me because I seen it. It just wasn't on a national stage, but I seen it from day one. So, you know, week thirteen, I'm at it. I'm at him. I'm at him now. Yeah. It's, Did it's you guys no, talk about it when it came out? Uh, no, nah, we haven't spoke about it. But I remember last time we played and we talked pregame. We talked before, but he sees me and I see him. But How many times be, have you guys faced off in your career? Just once. Just once. Okay. Just so once, this will be yeah. this will be number this will be two. The second time. This yeah. could be a big game. Man. It's gonna be a big game. Yeah. Big game. Good atmosphere. Mano we mano, best against best. You know, they're talented over there. Um, not just A-B, but all around on offense, their defense, and they're known for their hard-nosed blue-collar football. So we got to bring it. Yeah, and you got Phillip versus Ben in Classic 2004. A lot of storylines that game. Classic. Pouncy Brothers. Yeah. yeah you know? Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> I want to close with this. Um, by the time this post, I think game three will have been played, I need to get your – I know you're a LeBron James guy, right? Mm -hmm. I need to get your assessment of the first two games and what you saw, especially game one, man. Um, game one, just a lack of knowing what the situation is. I mean, you could point a lot of fingers, but, I mean, I'm a LeBron fan. He's handled it well. Yeah. Um, the press tried to pick and prowl at him to see what he feel, blame and point a finger, which he didn't. Um, I think we all know what happened. Yeah. You know, game two – just too much too much splash brothers too much power you know braun still had a dominant game love played well um i just think that the three-headed monsters on their team adding draymond with his rebounding and his tenacity and his block shots and the passing he brings it was just a little bit too yeah. much for the Cavs. they're unbeatable when all four of those guys they all are going, went for man. 30 yeah. all three went for 30 yeah. Draymond probably dropped i think 12 and the role players came in mcgee balled uh livingston balled yeah but you know they're down 0-2 but i think braun could even this thing up and 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 
in the land. So we'll see what's ha- we'll did see you what see, happens. Did you see the video after the, the buzzer sounded, after the fourth quarter in game one? It's like a bird's eye view video of LeBron walking to the sidelines. And he sits down. J.R. Smith is like two seats from him. And he looks down and he's like processing something. And he looks up at the scoreboard. And I think he realized that they had a timeout. And he asked Lou, he's like, did we have a timeout? And I think Lou said, like, yeah. And he's just like, man, he's like, right. you can't win. <laughs> right. Now, um, he tried to call a timeout, but it was too late. It was too late. But I feel like, you know, Coach Lou, as a Cavs fan, because of LeBron, I feel like, you know, players, might, brain might be scattered in the midst of the, the chaos. And I feel like Lou should have called a timeout. Yeah. I mean, but it is what it is. It is what it is. I talked to Justin Jackson about it last week. We, we talked about where LeBron could be in a couple of months. He could be up the street. <laughs> no doubt. And I'll be at every game. Yeah, get Staples. Make that a fixture. No doubt. Julie, you got any plans after uh, Yo. uh, after minicamp? No, I'm relaxing. Yeah. Family man, I'm chilling. Good. Taking it easy. Good stuff. Hey, man, thank you so much for joining us. We're uh, we're excited for your success, man. Congratulations on fatherhood. And we'll, uh, we'll be in touch, brother. All right, take care. God bless. Thank you. So the Los Angeles Chargers schedule is out. And boy, it's nice to finally know how we'll be spending our Sundays this fall. How many Charger games did you make last year, Matt? I made 20. Four preseason games and 16 regular season games last year. Which are you circling for this season? This season, I'll circle the Niners and Cardinals as they play the NFC West. And let's not forget about those rivalry games, P. You seriously don't want to miss this. Visit FightForLA.com or call 877-CHARGERS to share Matt's experience. Season tickets on sale now. Please to bring on my guy, James Coe of NFL Network to Chargers Weekly. James, a real triple threat over there in Culver City. He's an anchor. He's the host of NFL Fantasy Live. A really good writer. James, what's up, brother? Hey, man. We appreciate it. I'm pumped to talk some fantasy football with you. And if you're listening to this, you may be thinking to yourself, wait, hold on. It's the first week of June. Let's pump the brakes on fantasy football. But (laughs) this is exactly the time you should be preparing for your draft, James. Tell fans why. Look, man, I mean, the the mock drafts are open on the website, uh, nfl.com. Uh, slash mock drafts, and then we just ro- dropped our draft kit as well, and that can be found at nfl.com slash draft kit, but look, man, you can get a lot of mock drafting done, and you got to start really thinking about, you know, where guys are valued, where you think your league mates are going to take certain people, and just basically doing your homework right now, you know. A lot of drafts are going to start, you know, late July, early August, and that's going to come up on you a lot quicker than you think it might be. I think there's been so much player movement that, uh, you know, there are certainly opportunities um, where the fantasy land, and it's true of every year, but the fantasy landscape will certainly be significantly different uh, going to 2018. Well, dude, my, my head is spinning from all the player movement. I think this is the perfect time to actually get going because you got mini camp here in a couple of weeks. We have that break before training camp, but I think it's important to get up to speed on just the different coordinators, the different head coaches, and, and all that player oh, movement. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. Not only offense coordinators, but I mean, we saw a lot of quarterback movement too. And not just, you know, um, we're not just talking like replacement level guys. I mean, we're talking really good players. Kirk Cousins in a new home. Alex Smith in a new home. Denver's got a new quarterback. Arizona's got a new quarterback. So, I mean, I just, there, there's so many more, you know, moving pieces and how it impacts fantasy. You've really got to get your mind. Uh, you got to get your mind right, baby. Got to get your mind right. James, the AFC West, you mentioned the quarterback change in Denver. What about Kansas City, too? we got Patrick Mahomes under center in Kansas City. Oh my gosh. That offense is going to look 
very different. I think some more deep shots with Mahomes under center. I'm, I'm really intrigued just by this division alone, all the movement up and down. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even talk about John Gruden now being the new head coach there in Oakland. Yeah, the AFC West is so many moving parts. And you know who hasn't had a lot of moving parts? The, the L.A. Chargers, man. I mean, that's what makes me really excited about the prospects for the Chargers going into 2018. I really feel as if the Chargers next season, I think they're the class of the AFC West. I mean, there's going to be a lot of talk about Kansas City and and what Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and, and all that are going to do up there um, at Arrowhead. And I think certainly they will be a very good ball club. But I think there's going to be some growing pains. How could there not be growing pains with a quarterback, uh, a huge quarterback change like they had, and also a quarterback that only has one career start? So, I, I mean, to me, you look at the stability that the Chargers have coming into 2018, I really feel as if this is a, a, a 10, 11, potentially a 12-win ball club in an AFC West right now that is shifting a lot. Yeah, well, listen, expectations are high here. I, I think a lot of pundits, a lot of writers have been pegging the Chargers as that it team. They have to prove it on the field this year, but you mentioned Mahomes. His second career starts going to come week one against his Chargers defense with opportunistic players like Casey Hayward and hopefully Jason Verrett back in the mix, Derwin James and that pass rush of Bosa and Ingram. So quite the test for Mahomes in week one. But James, you had a great piece on NFL.com this week breaking down your fantasy bargains in 2018. You had a few charges on the list. I thought it'd be fun to go through the entire Chargers offense today, including those bargains, give fans an idea of where some of their favorite players are going at drafts. And we'll start in the first round because I think you can make an argument for two Chargers at the end of the first, Melvin Gordon and Keenan Allen. It depends on what format you play. PPR Keenan Allen, right? PPR Keenan Allen all day long. I think Melvin Gordon still will slide into the second round, although I, I do believe, um, you know, again, with Wizenhut's offense, that, you know, they'll, they'll still throw to him quite a bit. Um, I, I wonder whether or not they will, you know, kind of lessen his workload a little bit just because he has gotten so much work over these past few seasons, right? So that being said, they didn't really address running back in the draft, really. Not really, anyway. So well, The seventh uh, round, they got a guy, James, uh, Justin Jackson from Northwestern, who like was him. Northwestern's all-time leading rusher, had 1,000 yards in all four years at Northwestern. I like him a lot, but, again, this is very early. It's really hard to get a gauge on running backs and OTAs anyway. Ken Wisenhut talked about that. But Melvin Gordon, you're right. He, he's in line to be the bell cow again, but you wonder how yep. those uh, targets get distributed in the backfield. Keenan Allen all day long, you know, if you're playing a PPR and you're sitting there at the end of the first round, I mean, maybe you don't want to make him a ceremonial first-round pick. Let's say you're picking 10 out of 12. You could stretch him, I think, into the second round um, if you want to do that. Again, I think Melvin Gordon probably has better value somewhere, you know, in, in certainly late first round. Um, but anywhere in the second round you're getting Melvin Gordon, yeah, sure, absolutely, 100%. I think this is going to be an offense – uh, the Chargers are going to put on the field that, that could potentially score a lot of points. So, yeah, you want a bell cow back in a good offense. Sign me up for Melvin Gordon. Yeah, Gordon caught 58 balls last year. And then Keenan Allen, we talk about him, 159 targets, 102 catches, almost 1,400 yards receiving, six touchdowns. I can see those numbers uh, in the touchdown department going up next year. And, James, the next player up was easily going to be Hunter Henry. He was going to get all the work at yeah. tight end. He was set up for a monster yep. season, man. He probably would have been in that tier right under 
Kelsey and Gronk and uh, Zach Ertz. But now that we know Hunter is out, who's the next Chargers player that you'd have eyes on at this point? Um, I mean, from a value standpoint, I think the three guys that, that I've targeted, and again, you can get these guys way late. Um, Phil Rivers, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler's not even being drafted, and I just I'm baffled by it. But anyways, um, probably the next guy off the board will most likely be Mike Williams. I think we're going to see his ADP rise. His average draft position right now uh, somewhere between 110 and 200. Right, so mm-hmm. he's going. You know, we're talking double digit rounds, 11th round or later. In some drafts, he's not even being drafted because I think, quite frankly, a lot of people just might have forgot about Mike Williams. He was injured last year, man. I know he played some games, but, you know, he was riding that preseason back injury, and he just didn't look like himself. I think with Hunter Henry gone, look, Mike Williams is that prototypical big-body wide receiver that can get downfield. Bill Rivers, his entire career has been thrown to guys like this. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, I don't – I mean, to me, Mike Williams is a lock uh, to be a top 30 fantasy wide receiver – and he has the talent level, and he has the opportunity now to really explode onto the scene. I hope he's healthy. I hope he's right. And I just think Mike Williams, I just think the world of Mike Williams, man, I, I really like him. And, again, you're getting this guy in the double-digit rounds. Sign me up. So, James, I like what you're saying here. You think Mike Williams could be a top 30 lock wide receiver this year. Is he going to be one of those players that we look back in maybe week six or week seven and be like, you know what, in hindsight – Maybe I should have scooped him up a little bit earlier. Yeah, I mean, look, I think I think right now, if you're taking him in the ninth round, you're you're still doing really, really well. Look, I have him as a top 100 player uh, going into 2018. So a top 100 player, what does that mean? Well, you got to take him in the ninth round, right? So yeah. Um, yet we're still seeing his value somewhere in the 12th round on average. Okay, um, again, you got to know your league mates. If you're playing with a bunch of Charger fans. <laughs> this dude might go in the seventh round. I don't know. Maybe I don't quite like him there in round seven. But if you're getting him in round nine, yeah, I mean, the target share is going to be there. Again, Hunter Henry's not there. So who's going to be that big body wide receiver there uh, in the red zone? It's got to be Mike Williams, right? So, And he was a proven touchdown maker at Clemson as well. Um, I just feel as if year number two for Mike Williams could be one of those breakout seasons for him. You know, if we're talking projections – I have him down for around, you know, 70 to 75 catches. I think 1,100 yards is absolutely doable. Wow. Yeah. I think that's probably on the, on the, on the high end for him. But a 1,000-yard campaign, 100%, I think that's absolutely within range. Uh, and, again, we're talking about a guy that could potentially get you six to eight touchdowns as well. So what is it, 70 receptions, 1,000 yards, eight touchdowns? I mean, come on, you're getting this guy in the double-digit rounds right now. That's tremendous value take that any day of the week especially when you consider Hunter Henry being out those targets have to go somewhere too though James you know we have Tyrell Williams on the other side Travis Benjamin obviously a speedster uh, but I can certainly see a big body receiver like Mike Williams uh, getting a a lion's share of the targets that probably were going to be intended for Henry that's right that's exactly right you look you think about what role in the offense he's going to play and I I think to your point I think Keenan Allen will see an uptick in touchdowns this year as well. I mean, get this guy a goal to go and, and put him in the slot. How are you going to cover this guy? You know what I mean? You're going to, you have to bracket this guy. You and, can't. and if that's the case, 
I, I, I don't know how you stop them goal to go. You know what I'm saying? Now, that being said, if it was Hunter Henry down there, yeah, of course, okay, great. I mean, you can, you know, slip block him or whatever it might be and get him into a lot of advantageous positions. But as it stands today, Keenan Allen in the slot goal to go, you got big Mike Williams on the outside potentially running a fade as well right over the top of a, a smaller DB. Uh, I mean, I tell you what, prospects look pretty good. <laughs> Melvin Gordon's still there. Austin Eckler's still there. I, I mean, goal to go, this is a very dangerous team. James, you know, make no mistake about it. Losing Hunter Henry, it's a huge blow. I think he's a top five tight end. I think he's one of the best young tight ends in the game. But when you have a guy like Keenan Allen, who you mentioned, can run any route and you can line him up anywhere. And, and he presents a matchup problem on the inside, on the outside. You couple that with a guy that went number seven overall uh, a year ago. Uh, I think Phillip Rivers still has no shortage of weapons. And you mentioned another guy, Austin Eckler, who I believe you guys had on your NFL Fantasy Live podcast this week. I can't. That's right. I look at OTAs, right? It's hard to determine, you know, whether a running back looks good in OTAs. But I just tell you, the ability to make you miss an open space, Eckler just has that it. He, he just looks even quicker to me this year than he did last year. You know, this is the crazy thing about um, Austin Eckler right now. And, and I get it. He has small school credentials. He comes from Western State, Colorado. Um, located in Gunnison, Colorado, population like 6,000, right? So tiny, tiny place. If you think of Austin Eckler as purely a scat back, that's, see, that's how he makes you miss. Because not only can he go laterally, but actually what I saw on tape, his rookie season, the power is so underrated, man. Um, he's 5'10", 195 pounds. I don't know. I don't know how much you know weight he's put on this off season, but the power to me was shockingly apparent on tape in 2017. He's taken on NFL size linebackers, and he's either a making a miss or b going right through them. And if he's getting tackled, he's moving forward, so he will get you that you know positive half yard, that positive yard, two yards, three yards downfield. Because again. He's an explosive athlete. He ran a 4-4-3-40. He's got a 40-and-a-half-inch vertical. This guy absolutely is an NFL-caliber athlete, and not only an NFL-caliber, he's an elite NFL athlete given those traits and given those numbers. So, um, to me, he really popped. I loved what Wisenhunt did with him in the offense uh, last year. I don't think the Chargers knew what they had in Eckler until, you know, week four mm-hmm. when he broke up. Now, you got, people got to remember, one touch, one touch. His first NFL carry, 35 yards to the house against the eventual Super Bowl champions, the Philadelphia Eagles. And how did he do it? Well, I'll tell you, he's got great vision and he's got great speed. He took a 35 yards right into the end zone on his first NFL carry. That's all you need to know about the playmaking abilities of Austin Eckler. So, this is a guy that in fantasy, um, I think high side projections, 800 total yards. He's going to remind Charger fans so much of Danny Woodhead, man. I mean, he looks like Danny Woodhead out there. Or He's Sproles. You know, Sproles, too. Or I, Sproles. You know, Phillip has always had that guy. I talked yeah. to Daniel Jeremiah about that during the 2017 season. Rivers has always had a guy like a Sproles or a Woodhead, and Eckler is that guy for this offense, especially on third down. I tell you, it's a luxury to have a player like that 
to go with all these other weapons that do different things, Austin Eckler just does different things for your offense. Uh, we, we saw those flashes in preseason uh, in 2017, and like you mentioned, you know, first touch, touchdown. You know, th- this is a guy who I think that you can go into the 2018 season confidently saying, hey, we can count on him. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think a 400 uh, receiving yard, 400 rush yard season is doable. Again, that's probably on the high side. But, you know, again, we're talking about a guy last year uh, that had, what, you know, something close to 30 receptions and, and 550 yards. So in PPR, if you're getting 35 receptions, 800 total yards, and I think, you know, again, five to eight touchdowns, absolutely doable. What Ken Wisenhunt has him doing on offense, he's everywhere, man. He's in the backfield. He's in the slot. He's lined up out wide. He's everywhere in this offense. And I think Wisenhunt, his creativity, I think he really loves a player like Austin Eckler, that you can move everywhere. He's got great hands, got good speed, got good power. I mean, this is a a utility player that, man, every offense would love to have. You know, speaking of the offense, the offensive line got better this offseason with the addition of Mike Pouncey at center. Forrest Lamp's coming back. Dan Feeney had nine starts last year, uh, a a year under his belt. Of course, the the pro bowler on the left side and Russell Okung. How much better do you think this offense can be in the numbers? We talk about Phillip Rivers' numbers. I mean, the guy has had a 4,000-yard season in nine of his last ten years. Mr. Consistency, how much yep. better do you think this offense can be? Yeah, you know, you talk about Mike Bouncey, and I know that, you know, he did not necessarily grade well uh, per, you know, pro football focus or whatever it was, but forget about that, man. I mean, he was playing on a team that was going nowhere. I think he's going to be in playoff contention. I think he'll be motivated. Mike Bouncey's a three-time pro bowler. And you're getting him at center. I, I, people, I don't think, appreciate truly how important that position is on the offensive line. Clearly, left tackle certainly is, is your premier high-profile piece on the offensive line. But center, to me, is the next most important piece. Uh, we saw it when Alex Mack went from Cleveland to Atlanta. Uh, that offensive line there in Atlanta stabilized to the point where, you know, Matt Ryan is putting on a potential MVP season. Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman, these guys are just breaking out huge runs. I mean, adding Mike Pouncey to the mix, and again, Forrest Lamp is going to be back. He's a second-rounder that, um, you know, got injured last year. I don't know what he's got, but I tell you what, the potential is certainly there, uh, and, and I just – Look, I, I really think the, the offensive line for the Chargers is going to be uh, much improved next year. I'm, I'm really excited about what this offense poses, uh, especially up front. I think they're going to be able to get some push. Uh, Melvin Gordon's good back. Again, we talked ad nauseum about Austin Eckler, so their run game is going to be good. Then the pass game, too. And from a fantasy perspective, you know, you've got Phillip Rivers. Last year was, you know, a quarterback eight. In fantasy last year, what am I missing here? I don't, I don't get it. You know, people are drafting him as a uh, as a quarterback twenty right now. I don't I, understand it. I, just, I don't I'm, understand it, James. I, I'm bad. We're undervaluing him, and I listen. I get it, man. I mean, there's Aaron Rodgers. There's you know people like Kirk Cousins. You got the Brady's of the world, but this guy has just done it year in and year out. And I think just with improved yep. offensive line play, even with Hunter Henry going down, you get an extra weapon in Mike Williams, and I think you'll. You know, be able to deploy some of these running backs too to pick up some completions as well. So uh, I'm with you, man. Anybody who's drafting him outside like the top 12, I I just don't understand it. 
He's got to be a top 12 quarterback, period. Yeah. Done and done. Uh, he's got to be a top 12 quarterback, period. I mean, again, 4,500 yards last year, 28 touchdowns, and 11 total turnovers. Look, he's got, he's got all the pieces in place, and what I really like, I really, really like the fact that Ken Wisenhunt is the offensive coordinator. I think Philip Rivers is starting to thrive in that system, and he has all the weapons. He's got all the weapons in the world. I don't care that Hunter Henry went down. I mean, it sucks from a real-life perspective, and certainly if you're a fan of the Chargers, yeah, no question, man. Brutal. Brutal. But that being said, I mean, you look at the, the riches that he has, Philip Rivers has, on the offensive side of the ball, they're going to be tough to stop. And, and who in this divi- I mean, who in this division right now scares you from a defensive standpoint? Oakland doesn't scare me. Kansas City doesn't scare me. Denver, I think, is is vastly overrated. I mean, they they made some certainly made some improvements on defense, but still, I think that's a team that's in transition. Look, the Chargers are going to be able to to put some points up. And you know what I like too. The fact that the Chargers' defense and the offense, they'll work together. They're mm-hmm. gonna, this Chargers' defense is going to create so many great short-field opportunities uh, for the offense. That's what I'm excited about. It's a great point. So, you know, I, I, I mean, I think this is a team that isn't going to have to march 80 yards downfield very often. You know what I mean? So they'll be in scoring position quite a bit. Well, it's a good segue, and we'll get you out of here on this, James. The, the Chargers' defense, from a, a fantasy perspective, I mentioned just the opportunistic players that they have um, with Bosa and Ingram getting pressure on the quarterback up front. They can go four deep a corner now with Verrett in the mix. you got Casey Hayward, uh, Desmond King, who had a great year. Yeah. Trevor Williams started 15 games last year. Derwin James, by the way, is now in the mix. Uchenna yeah. Nuosu can get his hands on the football. He's very athletic, a lot of deflections. Uh, I just think that if you're looking for turnovers, if you're looking for touchdowns, I think you've come to the right place in L.A. Yeah, and again, this is where, you know, especially in terms of fantasy, the offense has to work well with the defense as well. You don't want a unit that struggles to score. Why? Because it puts the defense in, you know, disadvantageous positions. You know what I'm saying? So you want, you want the other team to be chasing. That's when you get sacks because the other team has to pass the ball. When the team has to throw the ball, that's when you get fantasy scoring. You get sacks, you get interceptions, you get fumble recoveries for turnovers, uh, strip sack fumbles. You know what I'm saying? That is where fantasy points are to be had. The days of fantasy defenses shutting other teams out and getting that 10-point bonus or whatever, those days are dead, man. Offenses in the NFL are too good. you got to get fantasy points from your defense off of turnovers and sacks. And the the, the best way to do that is if the the opposing team is forced to play catch-up and they have to take more high-risk throws. That's when you get the turnovers. That's when you get the sacks. And this is a unit that's built for that, man. You got two great edge rushers. As you mentioned, the, the, the secondary play is going to be phenomenal. Or at least on paper, it should be. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, yeah, 100%. I mean, the Chargers to me, I mean, look, you're going to get, you're gonna get the, the Rams to come off the board. The Vikings will be coming off the board. The Jacksonville Jaguars will probably be your first fantasy defense off the board. When those three teams go, well, who am I left with? I think you talk about great value, and that, that's what my piece was about, bargain players uh, in the NFL. I didn't write about the Chargers' defense, but certainly the Chargers' defense, I think, will be a pretty good bargain. I mean, this is a, and again, I want to I caution people, man. 
don't take your defense before you know round eleven. Just don't do it. <laughs> we should mention that. That's you know that's I mean? the PSA for today. Don't don't take a defense out right. early. Don't take a defense. If you're taking a defense in the in the single digits, uh, you just <laughs> uh, you're not. It's not you a shouldn't great be in my league, man. Get out of my league. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, and I, I know there's going to be a lot of well, you know, I did and I won 17 champions. Okay, brother. Look, I get it, but the the we're playing the numbers here. Okay, and the numbers tell you. I mean, you could hit on 17 too. You could hit on 17 all day. I guess. Yeah. And, and yeah, you've won some hands. All right. But I tell you, that's not a good strategy, brother. Like, no, no. <laughs> that's just all I'm saying. The, the numbers are against you when you take the defense in the single digit. Round. That's all I'm saying. Now that, that being said, the Chargers in 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 the double digit round after round 11, yeah, hundred percent. It's a team that you know if you're taking them in rounds 12, 13. Oh man, home run, home run pick. I love that pick. James, you got me hyped, man. It's it's June 6th we're taping this. This will be out tomorrow. <laughs> but I, I'm hyped for fantasy football already. I don't think it's too early. I think this is something you got to be thinking about. We'll have you on as the season gets closer, maybe talk about some of these rookies and uh, everything else going on around the league. In the meantime, link to your piece. The title of it is Jay Ajayi Leads 2018 Fantasy Football Draft Bargains. We'll put it up on the website later this week. Go check that okay. out. James, what else you got going on, man? You know, again, we got that podcast going. Austin Eckler was uh, gracious enough to join us this week. Um, he's a great interview. He's got a great backstory, man. And if you don't know about it, you know, he talks about his mentality. Um, again, look, man, if you listen to our podcast, you know, you're going to get hyped because that's that's just what I do. I bring the energy, man. Yes, you do. I bring it. And, and, and from Austin Eckler, I was hyped to get him on. And he shares some of his great, you know, philosophical insight on how he made it from small town Colorado to now the big stage and how he's been doing well. Um, it's a great story. It's a great backstory. I'm really excited uh, to share his story with our listeners as well. He's a great guy. He does a lot in the community, too, in, in his short time here. So we're really excited to have him as part of this organization. And, James, can't thank you enough for your time, dude. Like I said, triple threat, your host. You anchor, you're right. What can't you do, bro? <laughs> well, listen, man, I do appreciate you bringing me on. And anytime you need somebody, just give me a call. I'll be more than happy to join you. All right, buddy. We'll catch up soon. All right. Sounds good. And that'll do it. My thanks to James and Jaleel Adai for joining me. And, of course, thanks to you all for listening. Find us on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please leave a review. Help spread the word. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And until next time, I'm Chris Harry.